Yes, that's true. Yeah. Less is more. Less is more. <laughs> Good morning, Rimrock Church. Merry Christmas after Christmas. And uh, Happy New Year, huh? God is good. We want to just lift him up this morning. I figured we might have a smaller crowd this morning than we had Christmas Eve. <laughs> I called that right. Anyway, praise God, we're here and we're going to enjoy him and each other. Let's do this. Two. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joy.
why this jubilee, why your joyous strains prolong. Say what may the tidings be, which inspire your heavy song. So 
sing that second verse as our prayer for starting this next year. Say it. Your love is shining out through us, reflecting your beauty on those who are near. Our voices are singing your praises, declaring the here at Rimrock Church, and from me and all the members of staff, I just want to welcome everybody, and uh, for those of you who have been coming to church for a long time, are part of our church family, we just want to say how thankful we are for you guys. Um, man, this church, you guys have been such a blessing through the missions work that you guys have done, what you guys raised at the fall fill-up, what you guys did this summer for India, um, and just this community in general. We're so thankful for all of you guys, um, and want you guys to know that. Um, if you're new here and visiting, uh, we want to connect with you guys. And we have a gift for you in the back if you want to fill out a card and uh, come greet us. We'd love to get to know you and see how we can get you connected to this church even better. So, um, We also want to let you guys know that there are new community groups starting this next week. And there's information in your bulletin if you want to see what those are and potentially get plugged into some small communities. Um, for me, being a part of a small community has been what has made church so powerful in my life. And uh, so if you've never been a part of that or it's been a while, I encourage you guys to check that out and, uh, and look into getting plugged into a small community here. All right. Um, now, if you guys want to stand and greet each other, wish each other Merry Christmas, uh, that'd be great. So.
Okay, if I could get you guys just to kind of close your eyes and listen to that. We're going to focus on the Lord right now. Would you play that again, Anna?
We love Christmas time because it reminds us of your beautiful plan, God, of how you came down on this earth to save us from our own foolishness. And you humbled yourself as a child, as a baby. And But we want to be like the wise men who came to seek you and kneel at you and worship you, God, and kneel at your feet and, and uh, God, just honor who you are and what you've done. And as Bill comes up now, God, speak through him, listen through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I am also uh, excited that there are not very many people here, as usual. I wanted people to be with their families, celebrating and doing the things we've been trying to tell you to do, rather than coming up and hearing stuff. So, so those of you who are listening online, if you're with your families, awesome. And uh, keep loving and uh, telling it on the mountain. Go tell on the mountain. Well, we're nearing the end of the year, and uh, uh, Ben said, just talk on whatever you want to talk on. So I, I would way rather uh, just have him tell me what to do sometimes. And I said, I felt like somebody just gave me a gift certificate, and I walked into the biggest mall in the world, and I have to make a decision. And uh, so I, there's been a lot of uh, attack on what I would do and what I should say. But I, I wanted to challenge you with something. There's a verse that came to mind in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, and it says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. And, and I was thinking of that uh, as I go back and review all the different books we've gone through, all the different topics we've gone through, and Man, we have covered an awful lot in the last year. Uh, and, and, I, and I was thinking of sometimes, do we, do we hear a lot more information? Do we hear things? Or can you say that, yes, as I look back over this last year, I can really, really uh, point a, a finger to or at least drive a stake in that there was an incredible impact in my life. And there was a point that I came to a point of decision and I made a decision to go a certain way. And normally when something like that happens, you, you remember it the rest of your days, the rest of your life. Uh, now, <clears throat> about three weeks ago, uh, Nick was preaching up here on Philippians chapter 4. And I have taught a lot on that because it has to do with anxiety and I have to deal with people with anxiety. And yet he, he was teaching and if you memorize he to summarize it he said when it comes into some type of a conflict stress or event in your life pray ponder and practice and then you'll equal peace and i was that week i was uh uh Coming into the office, we now live quite a ways from the office, so we live out by Mount Rushmore uh, area, and, and I was coming in, and I was called before I was supposed to come in by somebody from the office. We were exchanging gifts, and I had a gift for somebody that I think uh, it's pretty important that they get a gift when everybody else is getting a gift. And, uh, and then I was supposed to bring a gift for somebody else that he had given me money to bring the gift, and I had and go all the way into town and I get into town, I'm sitting there and realize I have forgotten the gift. And we start uh, <clears throat> our meeting here in a short time. So I figure, okay, my wife Nancy's coming into town, I'll just give her a phone call. 
and, uh, and have her just bring it in, and she should be here in time. Well, I call, no answer. I call again, no answer. And pretty soon, by now, I am pretty much not in the spirit. I am in the flesh, and I am getting more and more upset at her for not answering. And so I'm thinking, oh, she's probably on that computer, so I'll just text her on the computer. And I text her, no answer. And so after numerous attempts, I get in the car, and I'm <clears throat> going to drive another 35 minutes out, another 35 minutes back, and pick it up. And I am going, and I've got a pretty good conversation ready when I get there. And uh, I remember asking God during every sermon that I hear here that he would make it alive in my life. And so I'm heading in there, and it dawned on me, pray. So I prayed, and I told him how frustrated I was that Nancy was not answering the phone and that you couldn't get a hold of her. And I continued to pray, and as I moved from pray to ponder, I realized God was saying, you left the stuff there, not her. And now you're trying to... <laughs> and now you're trying to blame it on her. And the more I kept pondering, the more I realized that, you know what, the anxiousness, the nervousness that going into the flesh was simply because I was basically trying to put something on somebody that didn't belong on her. And so while I was driving there and I began to ponder, I began to put in practice that, okay, God, I want you to breathe words of encouragement when I walk through the door to her instead of words of death. <laughs> I walked through the door, I encouraged her, I picked up the gifts, told her why I was there, and I headed back. And, uh, and she said, oh, I could have brought it. <laughs> so I went back to pray, <laughs> to ponder, and I headed out and headed back in, and I realized while I was driving back into town, I had an overwhelming peace come over me. And I said, you know what, God, these words are not only in words only, but in power when we allow the Holy Spirit into our life. And it was just a real testimony to me that, that we don't get in such a hurry to get information and gather words and gather nice stories, and, but how, to, how do we make these applicable in our lives that they actually have an impact? And that has triggered me to do that often since that day. Uh, Today we're going to look at a couple portions of Scripture, then you're going to come across one, and that is, what are the idols that we turn to? And one of the idols that we're going to look at is greed. We all want more. We want more of something. And if you'll look back to two weeks ago, uh, not even Ben last week, when Ben talked about uh, being content. Being content is basically being self-fulfilled. It's not needing more. And I realized that, you know, if we begin to apply this and see how to begin to apply this, it's amazing what can happen in your soul. And so I encourage you as we end this year and we, we go into the next year uh, that you ask God to say, God, would you, would you lift the eyes uh, or the, lift the veil off my eyes that I might have you penetrate into my heart and maybe have an impact that would really have long-lasting impact in my life so that I might be able to breathe this onto somebody else.
and I'm, and I'm praying that for all of us in here. Uh, I hear of the privilege of talking to people from almost every walk of life in this country, and it is amazing that, uh, that everybody, if, when your heart is open, your whole heart is soft, you can hear anybody seem to speak and somehow walk away with some type of an impact if the word of God is spoken. I've even had where the word of God was very, very, in my mind, grossly misinterpreted, and it still had an impact because God began to work in my life. So I do ask you to consider that. As we start today, uh, I don't know, have any of you guys ever heard of IPF? IPF, it's uh, idiopathic pulmonary uh, fibrosis. Now, for me to say that is already a miracle, so you're experiencing something. And uh, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, and what it is, it is a disease that causes your lungs to lose capacity to breathe. And ultimately, you will die because you'll be, there's no room left to breathe. And uh, I tell you that because I have a, a dear, dear friend, close friend, whose who's close friend who lives with him in Minneapolis, uh, he just got a report that uh, he has this disease. Oh, he got it about a year ago, and his dad had it and died of it. His brother had it and died of it. His sister has it, and now he has it. And uh, I've always followed this guy. He's an incredible teacher. He's a really neat man of God. He started a church when he, God began to lift the veil off his eyes of this uh, gospel of religion and turn his eyes to see the grace of God and the sovereignty of God. He began a church that basically had 200 people in it in six months and had 6,000 people in it. And in the process of him doing that, uh, there was a lot of pressure put on him, a lot of things, and he began to gasp for breath in his spiritual life. He, because he was trying to do this out of his own strength and didn't, didn't realize that the things he was teaching was not being lived out so fully. And so he, he would gasp for breath, just, please, I, I, I can't hardly do this anymore. And then he got the report of the IPF. And he began to parallel that. And as he began to parallel that, uh, it, it touched me. And I talked to him and, and said, uh, this is really a profound uh, truth. And it's a profound truth about breath and where does that come from and what do we mean by that. And, and it took me back to Genesis when Genesis it says that uh, the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul or a living being. And that word living being is basically nephesh in the in the. Uh, Hebrew, it means to be breathed upon by a current of air producing living life. Before the, the man was just dust and then he breathed on living life. And, and when I looked at that, there was way more to it than that man began to go <gasps> and breathe like a baby does with its first breath. It comes out and it's, a, it's the hardest breath. It breathes and it breathes and there's life to that baby. But this was even more than that. This basically was talking about a living soul that was reflecting the whole purpose of why man was made. And it's where we get the word saved. When people say, hey, well, are you saved? 
And I think we've reduced that down to kind of what we call, oh, did you pray to receive Christ and have you went ahead and confessed your sins? And it does include that, but the word here is way more. And I'd like to be more accurate of saying, more importantly, are you fully alive? Have you been breathed on by God? And so we're going to end up going through a psalm today, and then I want to challenge you that each of you and I possess the ability to breathe on people. And we've even been commanded to breathe on people. And in breathing on people, there is either life that's breathed on them or there's death that's breathed on them. I was about to breathe death on my wife, and God had me breathe life instead. I look around here, and I do see there are some of you that are in my category. Uh, We are aging and uh, I have heard that nobody wins that battle. And, and so for me, I, I wish people would have told me more about it. I, I kind of always in my mind, I think I'm 25 years old. Uh, my dreams, I never am old in my dreams. I'm always, I can do anything in my dreams. And in real life, I cannot anymore. And so I've been pondering a lot of, in my later years, uh, How do I want to leave a legacy? How do I want to have an impact on people? And this is where God brought me to, is he says, Bill, I want you to learn to breathe. I want you to learn to breathe life. As Jacob, it says, when he died, he breathed life into his sons. David, when he uh, was in his last days, I I love this scripture in in Samuel, and it says, uh, The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, so his word was upon his tongue, and he breathed these words to Solomon. And and so I am really challenging myself to what do I want to do, and how do I breathe, and what type of breath do I give to my children, to my grandchildren, to my friends and the people that I know, so that I can breathe something that has a legacy, that brings forth a life, that has an impact. And I'm going to ask you to think about it. Uh, Think about that and let God ponder and and part of it uh, all of you I think know about the breathing exercises and uh, and a lot of times we have to use those during when you're anxious or something and and just to breathe deeply deeply and slowly and let your entire body uh, completely fill up and let it fill up slowly and then let it exhale at a pace that's very slow I learned to do that so I breathe two, two breaths a minute And I do that many times in practice of me just to remind myself of what I'm exhaling out of my flesh and what I'm inhaling by the spirit of the living God and the breath of God to come into my life. And it it causes me to ponder and to think and reflect upon what am I going to offer people? Because Bill Ewing doesn't have anything to offer people separate from the vine. And so I want you to think of that and maybe practice when you, when you drive. You don't have to get to two breaths. Uh, you can, just so it's kind of comfortable for you. C.S. Lewis says, the first breath of a baby begins a new story of life. And that last breath that we take, in the words of C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, the beginning of the real story, he says, all their life, in this world and all their adventures had only been the cover in the title page. 
Now at last, they're going to begin the chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has ever read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. So breathe your last breath carefully. I love that. Uh, I'm going to turn to Psalm 96. And Psalm 96 is an interesting psalm. It really is repeated in Psalm 98. It's repeated actually in Thessalonians. So this whole theme that goes uh, throughout this psalm, and it's used many times in different portions of Scripture. The, in the epistles used, and when they wrote in First Thessalonians, you'll see every truth in this psalm in Thess- First Thessalonians. And I thought it was an interesting psalm, and I wanted to go through it uh, with you just briefly. And I wanted to kind of dissect it, and then it'll lead us into kind of back to our place of breathing. It says, Psalm 96, verse 1, sing to the Lord a new song. Now, that struck me when I thought of a new song. Uh, sometimes we sing repeated songs, repeated songs. And, but when my eyes are sensitive to God and I am in touch with God and I seem to have a little sensitivity, I, it's amazing how I see God in the midst of all kinds of things. Even, even just different ripples in water, it's somehow I can see some of that when I'm doing that properly. So they sing a new song, but he's saying this, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. All the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Proclaim good tidings. It says, you know, great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. For all the gods of the people are idols. Now, that was an interesting thing. It says all of the gods of the peoples are idols. And that word idols means the non, they're non-existent, they're worthless, they're weak, they have no value whatsoever. And he's saying, first of all, identify that the people of this world, if you're going to make an idol, anything in your life that somehow you're going to seek, and we're going to see in Thessalonians where it says that what people usually look for for their idols is they look for wealth out of greed, to get more, to gain more, and that becomes their idol. And they're constantly figuring out how to increase or keep what they have. Second part of Thessalonians says that they seek the honor or the glory of men and from men rather than from God. And they, they seek to be, have, be recognized and noticed by men. Uh, and, uh, and so these are the idols. And he says that, uh, he said, all the, gods, all the gods of the people of this world are idols, but the Lord, he made the heavens. So splendor and majestic are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. So ascribe to the Lord, O families of peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Worship the Lord in holy attire and tremble before him all earth. Say among the nations the Lord reigns. And here's something that I wanted to touch on because it's easy to miss it. He says, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Now here's something that I challenge you to do is a lot of times when it talks about worship and it talks about uh, giving glory to God, first instructions through the Psalms, through Romans, through Thessalonians, it tells the earth to rejoice and be glad and tells the earth to give praise to God. And so if you look out over here and you can see out the windows over here, and if you stop and realize that uh, even those uh, are giving glory, they are, they are declaring back to you that they, God made them and that they are something from God 
And sometimes when you ponder and look at them, you're going to start to even see things that it's like you never used to see when you were younger. It says, rejoice the heavens and, and tell of his glory. And then it says, let the whole sea roar. Let it, that basically means let you clap your hands with thunder. Uh, and everything that in it and all that it contains. Let the fields and every growth exult in it. And all the trees and all the forests sing for joy. Here's an interesting thing I want you to catch. Why? Because he's coming back. He's coming back. Now, I'm going to take a little liberty. In my studies, I haven't found gobs of information, but I'll tell you what I have found to be true and what I've come to believe. At this point, if you disagree with me, keep it to yourself. I'm kind of satisfied with what I'm believing right here. <laughs> In Romans, it says that every single tree, every growth that has been here, every animal, everything in the heavens are groaning. They're all groaning for that day that they'll be made right the way they were designed to be made. They're groaning for God's return to make all things the way they were supposed to be. I believe that every dead leaf that falls off of a tree, it's even in that that they're going to be to the point where they're groaning because that was never the design. I believe when I drive up here and I see animals along the side of the road, I, it bothers me. But it bothers me only to a point where those animals are groaning. They were groaning to be completed, to be restored to their original design by God of what they were supposed to be in an unfallen world. And as you begin to see that everything is going to be made in the way that God designed it to be made, he's going to reconcile everything right again. This is why it says in all of these places that they clapped their hands, the earth thundered, because he's coming back. He's coming back for you and me, and it says he'll judge the world in righteousness and the people in faithfulness. If you've been completely hurt by people and people have really wronged you, there is going to be something made right about that. Something's going to be made so it does not have its grip on you. There is something about the return of Christ coming back that we sing the songs at Christmas. And I like it because if you go back and look at the history of Christmas and you look at how God protected the genealogy and how sometimes you open the Bible and read uh, the gospel. I had a guy this couple weeks ago come to faith and he said, where should I start? And I said, well, start in the Gospel of John. And he happened just to decide to start in Matthew. And so he starts in the Matthew in the first Part of Matthew is all genealogy for a whole two chapters. And he goes, oh my gosh, this is really interesting. But when you think about it, there's something that the Jewish people absolutely were blown away by because they knew that there was a prophecy of a Messiah to come and they knew all the things about it and how it would be protected and where that Messiah would be born and that Messiah would ultimately be king and it would be king of kings and lord of lords. So the genealogy protected all the way through where things showed that this is the Messiah and this is the true Messiah. And so the birth of that baby, it recarnate when he laid aside his deity uh, and, and it did count it at least something to be pulled on and drawn on and became flesh. You see this baby and yet there's a rejoicing of all of the earth and all of the sea and all of the plants. But when he comes back this next time, it's going to be a way different story. 
Uh, he is going to come back, and the next time, they're not going to miss him. Uh, they're not going to be saying, well, I wonder if that was the child. I wonder if this is the one. When he comes back the next time, it says that all of the people and all the people born and those even that have passed away will see that this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and every knee will bow before this God and realize that he is God and King of kings. He's coming in a mighty way, and when he comes, he's going to then restore all things to their original place. Let me read you in Thessalonians. And in Thessalonians, it's interesting because it's, it's repeating all that we've just said. It's talking about that the people would seek idols. It's talking about that, uh, that he is coming to the place. But on chapter 4, verse 13, chapter 4, verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those that are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and he rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first, that we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the air in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air, and thus we shall see him and will be with him always. So therefore comfort one another with these words. When he comes back, and I think we should all be anticipating it, we should be in, and, and looking at it, and I think when we begin to look at that and see that we anticipate that coming, that you're gonna have in this world, you're not gonna find all the peace in this world. Richard Rohr, in his book, Adam's Return, says it this way, and I like it. He says, uh, life is going to lead us, as it did Jesus, into the belly of the beast, into a place we can't fix, we can't control, we can't explain, and we can't understand. And that's where transformation most easily happens, because only there are we in the hands of God and not self-managing. When my friend uh, told me about the guy with the IPF disease, he was going to hand over the church uh, of Open Door in Minneapolis, and he went to hand it over. And somebody came and asked him, and he said, are you in it for the long haul? And so he passed that on down, and he said, when I, when I say, are you in it for the long haul, when I say it, we're not talking about being in ministry. We're not talking about running your Bible studies. He said when he went before God and, and, and was receiving the breath of God, he said, are you in it for the long haul? And that basically said, are you in it? Are you keeping the faith? And he looked back at the Apostle Paul, and Paul says that basically that uh, I basically kept this. And he said uh, uh, as the, I can't remember the verse, and it goes, but basically it's, like this, he says uh, that as I go ahead and finish my course and I ran my race and I've now come to a conclusion that I have done and, and kept the faith. Now, just so you know, the Apostle Paul was not talking about his Bible studies. He was not liked by the disciples at this time. He had only one guy come and visit him in prison. He was in prison waiting to get his head cut off. 
he didn't have any famous books that he knew of at that time. They hadn't written them. But he says, but I kept the faith. And I breathed hope and kept my confidence in God. And that's the challenge that we have if we're in it for the long haul. Are we going to go ahead and keep the faith and ask God to say, you know what, God, in, uh, in Hebrews it says that without faith it's impossible to please you. And basically, then it goes on to say that those that basically are seeking God need to realize that he exists and he's a rewarder for those that seek him. So this six months of my life, I've been, and I think I mentioned this last time, I've been really looking to, uh, to enter into a place with God in, in, a, in a sweeter place, and not, not a public place, but a sweeter place with God, and, and it seemed like he was hiding from me, and, and it was bothersome that I was like, I'm seeking him, and, and I thought, well, maybe I went back to my religious deals, maybe it's because I'm not living right, well, let me see if there's sin in my life, let me see what's going on, and I kept going ahead and, uh, and seeking God in a way that was frustrating to me. And I said, you know what, God, the more I seek you, the more I desire you, the more you seem to bring up uh, all the junk in my life in the past. So I went and talked to a guy that I talk to sometimes when I'm kind of struggling with my thoughts. And I said, the closer that I seem to be wanting to know God, the more God shows me things, and I don't know if it's God showing me, but it's never out of condemnation. It's more out of, Bill, look where I brought you. And I said, I can't believe that. And the person asked me a simple question, and I, I laughed afterwards because it was so simple. He said, what did you expect to find looking back there? <laughs> like, you were, you were great? And then an illustration hit me that I thought was pretty cool, and that was that... Uh, the game hide-and-seek is an interesting game, and it can be played two different ways. One, when you play hide-and-seek, and, and you really are into hiding, uh, and you hide for the purpose of nobody finding you. That's the, the game hide-and-seek. And I, in any kind of game that I played when I was younger, I was going to be a winner at it. So I would always find the best place I could hide, and I wasn't going to make any noise or anything. And I would let them go on for a long time, not finding me, because I was going to hide. But when I started having children and then having grandchildren, did we have a different game, hide-and-seek? Because when you say, okay, hide-and-seek, I'm going to count to ten, and one, two, and you talk to ten, you come out. They're on the couch with a little pillow over their head like this, and you look and you say, well, okay, I wonder where they are. I wonder where they could be. And then they say, well, here I am. And the next 12 times you play hide and seek, where do they hide? Same place. You see, for a kid, it is all about being found. It's not about hiding. And I encourage you to say, God, I just want to be found by you. I'm not running anywhere. And the last thing before we touch on the last breath, uh, in my job, I've, I've been doing my job for 40 years. Not This one up here, I've been here, I think, 35, periodically speaking up here. Which, by the way, I'm, I'm thinking I'm about at the end of my tail here, up here. So I'm feeling like, but my job at my other place, I saw people's lives be transformed completely, and then people that, that you told the same thing to, and they never seemed to change. And I'd go home thinking, Cal, what did I do, God? Did I not reflect your life well enough? 
I've seen people that for 25 years ago I saw them, and now all of a sudden they're just they're transformed. And I, and I said, what, what happened? Tell me what took place. And here's my take on some of this. I think there comes a place, we sang about it today, there comes a place where ultimately you come to a decision in your life that you're going to bend your knee to God. And you're not going to be half-hearted and halfway believing. You come to a place where you're going to say, I'm all in. And it seems like those people that come to that point in their life, and, it's, and there's a specific time, they seem to be different. In their marriages, in their addictions, they seem to say, I want all in. And I remember probably 15 years ago I was speaking up here and I talked about a sermon. And I used a phrase once in the sermon and it was say, are you going to be all in or not? Didn't think much about it. And there was a... A guy from India, one of the uh, students at the School of Mines, and about three months later came up and said, I just need to tell you something that happened. He knew the exact day, the exact hour when you said, are you going to be all in or not? And he said, and I thought about the people back in India that worshipped other gods that seemed to be more in than the people in America that worship God. And he said, you know what, I've been halfway believing. And he, and he said, I remember that day at that point, I tapped, and I didn't leave this church until I said, I'm all, I'm all in. I'm not going anywhere a minute for the long haul. Pray with me, would you? Father, I feel that that's where you want to end. I have no idea what you're doing in the lives of each of the people here. I, I do even have to confess, I have no idea sometimes what you're doing in my life. But I would so ask that we would learn to breathe life into people. That as we look and we come down to the end of our days or we come down to the last uh, half or quarter of our life, that Holy Spirit, that you would do as you did to David, you would breathe upon us and put upon our tongue the words of life and the breath of life so that those that are remaining would have some type of a uh, deeper walk with you because of our breathing on them. We come against you, Satan, in the name of the living Christ, the Lord Jesus who died on the cross so that he might return and come back to us. We come against you that all of your arrows that are being shot at these people and these families out here would be consumed by, Jesus, your burning holy fire. Give us the freedom to breathe and find rest in that breath. And help us look forward to that day and your second Christmas when you come back and make all things right. Let us begin to rejoice as though it's already taken place. And we ask it with total confidence in Jesus' name. Amen. a second Christmas coming like a train around the bend can you hear that distant thunder 
Jesus coming back again. The first night was so humble, just a handful saw the truth. But on this second Christmas, I will see him, so, so will you. you. And he will streak across this earth, just like lightning in the sky. He will gather up his lands, wipe the tears out of our eyes. He will punish all that's wrong, with his power set things right. All the prisoners will be free. On that second Christmas night. my first Christmas when I finally saw the truth how that baby in a manger he was sent for me and you how my sins could be forgiven that he died to set me free and now his spirit lives inside me how I long for you to see streak across this earth just like lightning in the sky he will gather up his lands wipe the tears out of our eyes he will punish all that's wrong with his power set things right all the prisoners will be free on that second Christmas night. So are you ready for that Christmas? Have you bowed before the King? Of your golden myrrh and incense, have you given anything? Why, Jesus doesn't need your money, but He's dying for your heart. So if you haven't learned to worship, Make this Christmas your new start Cause He will streak across this earth Just like lightning in the sky He will gather up His lands Wipe the tears out of our eyes He will punish all that's wrong With His power set things right all the prisoners will be free on that second Christmas night. Hey, would you stand with us and we're going to sing that chorus again. Looking forward to that second Christmas. Jesus, come Lord Jesus. Sing it. And he will streak across this earth just like lightning in the sky. He will gather up His lambs, wipe the tears out of our eyes. He will punish all that's wrong, with His power set things right. All the prisoners will be free on that second Christmas night. 
second Christmas night On that second Christmas night Amen. Amen. Father, thank you. Lord Jesus, come. Have a blessed week, and uh, not this week, but next week we'll start our Wednesday night gatherings. But uh, next Sunday we'll be here for the first Sunday of the new year.